You have put me in my lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Like I said before, I'm glad that you're here. If I haven't met you, my name is Grant. Uh, the only thing worse than a wintertime cold is a summertime cold. And so in my brain right now, the Sudafed and lack of sleep are in direct conflict with each other. That means I've got no filter and we're just going to dive in and go for it. Okay, so... Uh, this is the last week of low. Thank you for walking through it over the last 10 weeks as we have taken a look at how the low moments in our lives actually create the greatest opportunity to see Jesus as the source of all hope. Next weekend, we're going to do an Ask Me Anything weekend. We've done those before. Uh, basically, you text in questions live. I have no prep. It's just me and my Bible sitting on a stool, and we answer. You can ask questions about anything, the low series, Bible, theology, Dating, marriage, I mean, you name it, you throw it up there. I don't know what's coming, uh, but we actually opened the number up early. So the number 360-358-2235. Please don't use emojis. We don't know what they mean when you're texting questions in, okay? Just so, okay, anyway, um, <laughs> this part of the room got that, okay? You guys, talk to an eight-year-old, they'll fill you in, okay? Uh, but, but we love to do the questions live and in real time, and that'll be next weekend. If for no other reason, you can come and just watch me squirm, because some of the questions are really, really interesting, all right? We're going to dive in together today. Low seasons often bring us to a point where we get very real with God. I mean, when we, when we actually get low... It just kind of pushes all of the extraneous stuff of our life to the side. It's not about what we want anymore. It's really about what we need. You know, God, I need your help. God, I need you to show up. God, I need a healing. God, I need the 930 to encourage me because my brain is foggy and I don't know what I'm going to say. So an amen every once in a while or a Jesus, please help him would be really, really helpful. All right. You know, I'm not going to ask you today what you want, because that usually, our responses usually tend to tell, reveal how shallow we are, right? You know, what do you want? Well, it usually has to do with stuff, comfort, and our sports teams. I think we need to go a little deeper, a little lower than that. And my question to the 930 service on Memorial Day weekend would be, what do you really need from Jesus today? What is the cry of your heart? Is it a healing? Is it a reconciliation? Is it a little glimpse of God that leads you to believe there's still a little bit of hope? Is it a second or a third chance to make something right? I mean, what do you, what do you really, really need from God today? I want to introduce you to a young lady who's going to walk us through a low moment because she is just raw and undone in a moment of need, and this is her story. There was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerohim, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And we all need to pray for Mariette right now as she is battling through these Old Testament names. God bless your heart. <laughs> she did that with no prep. That's amazing. Verse 2. <laughs> He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had none. Okay, let's stop right there and ask the question, because everybody's thinking, two, that's polygamy, isn't it? Let's just answer the question. Here's what the Bible teaches about polygamy. Number one, polygamy was never a part of God's plan. 
Okay? You're going to notice something about people if you hang out with them long enough. God says one thing, people do another. Right? God tells me what I'm supposed to do, I do another. That's why I show up in church every six days, because I need that much help. All right? Lamech was the first man to take two wives. He was known for his evil, not for his righteousness. Okay? Polygamy was never the plan. Here's another interesting note in all of Scripture. There's no record of a single happy polygamist family. Okay, I want you to consider some consequences. Old Testament story. Abraham took more than one wife, led to bitterness between Sarah and her maid Hagar, and eventually the dismissal of Hagar and Ishmael. And if you know the story of what happened with the sons of Ishmael, we're still living that conflict till today. Jacob, more than one wife, led to Rachel's jealousy of Leah and to Joseph being betrayed and being sold by his half-brothers. David, more than one wife, led to the rape of one of his daughters by one of his sons. And Amnon's subsequent murder by Tamar's brother Absalom, Solomon, took more than one wife. And the Bible says that turned his heart away from God and he ended up worshiping false gods. So just because the Bible records polygamous relationships doesn't mean God approves of such things. In fact, here's something you can know. It's not exactly politically correct. I don't care. God's plan was always monogamy. Always monogamy. So Elkanah had two wives, not a good plan. And this is their story. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, who if you read in scripture, were just a pair of idiots, just to be clear, the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penaniah, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. That's tough. I mean, that's a low season. Hannah is challenged. She's sad. Hannah's struggling. She is low. And in case you missed it, she's kind of got a threefold low season going on. Hannah experienced the low moments of, of infertility, okay? Over the years, I've been a pastor for 28 plus years. I have walked with so many couples, and I'm not sure I've ever found a tougher challenge for a married couple to face than infertility. And when you want a child so badly for the sake of love, and it doesn't happen, it causes you to ask deep questions of God. When you want a child so badly for the sake of love and you see children neglected and unloved all around the world, there's just something that doesn't add up together. And I'd like to speak to those couples who may be struggling with that in our church today. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to belittle your problem with a bunch of bumper sticker answers. And I'm not going to pretend that there isn't a hole in your soul today because of this problem and challenge. And I'm not going to try and give you platitudes and make it all better. All I'm going to say is the one thing I think that I can say with credibility and integrity. You're not alone. And we're with you. And we will keep banging on heaven's door asking for the same miracle for you that you ask for every single day. In this culture, infertility was seen as God's judgment, which is just a gross misunderstanding and just plain wrong. 
So Hannah had to deal with the whispers and the ungodly judgments of cruel people. And then added to that, she was exposed to an antagonistic relationship. Penaniah, the other wife, she saw Hannah's pain. And instead of comforting her, she actually used it as an opportunity to press deeper into her pain. I mean, can you hear the cruelty? Hannah's going to church to pray for the miracle and her rival shows up and, and provokes her. It's an ancient case of bullying is what it is. Why, God, why doesn't God answer you, Hannah? What did you do, Hannah? You must have done something wrong. And it's so unbelievably cruel. But here's what's amazing. There's no record of retaliation. For Hannah, it was grace or no response at all. Boy, could we learn something from that in our culture. Let me say that again. It was grace or no response at all. Grace in the face of taunting. And then on top of that were all of those long, silent years of unanswered prayer. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I look at Hannah's story and I believe that every single person in this room can relate at some point. If you've ever had to wait in a low season for an answer from God, you can connect to Hannah. If you've ever had an antagonist in your life, you can connect to Hannah. If you've ever had an unanswered prayer, you can connect to Hannah. And this is what I love about her and has made her one of my biblical heroes all of my life. I put it in your outline. The low moments of Hannah's life did not define her, but they did refine her. They refined her. Even though people whispered and enemies taunted and heaven was quiet, we find this lady pressing into God. Every challenge you face in your life will bring with it the opportunity to either drive you towards God or drive you away from Him, and you get to choose which direction you're going to go. In spite of the heartbreak and the antagonist and the questions, Hannah makes a decision to choose God every single day. You know how I know that? Because I read the rest of the story. In the middle of a long, low season, Hannah presses into God. And let me tell you how she did it, because this is so key for all of us. She did it by being present. The Bible says this in verse 7. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord... I mean, year after year after year, where does Hannah keep going even though she's discouraged and she's suffering on this silent end of, of heaven at that moment? Where does she keep going? She keeps going to church. She keeps showing up. She keeps pressing in. She's going to meet with God. I mean, how many of us, how many of us back away instead of pressing in when we hit a low season? How many of us stop going when God stops talking? She was present physically. She was present emotionally. I mean, it says year after year after year after year. Where's Hannah? On her way to church. Banging on the door. Let's keep going. Listen to her press into God while she's being honest. Verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only give, only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. What she's saying, she's saying, God, this hurts. God, I'm in pain. God, I want a baby so bad. God, I need to know that you're at least hearing me. God, you said to tell me the desire of your heart, and this is what it is. I want a child, and, and I don't bring it to you in this nice pretty package. It's wrapped in tears and groaning and pain. I tell you what, if you don't get anything else this morning, please take this. God is never put off by your honesty. Oh, I got one amen out of that. 
God is never put off by your honesty. He doesn't punish people for being real because he already knows the depths of your low. Be honest. Don't be dishonest. As Christians, we've made this an art. How you doing? Fine. Yeah, really? Are you sure? Your face tells me different. Your prayer request tells me different. But no, how you doing? I'm doing great. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And I believe that to be true, but there are days it's just low. Like, can we be honest and real about that? Hannah teaches us here, be transparent, be real. Don't paint yourself up with a bunch of platitudes. God honors emotional honesty. In fact, I'll ask you a question. Have you ever given yourself permission in prayer to be angry in a godly way? I mean, ungodly anger, that just wounds people, right? Godly anger asks hard probing questions and trusts God for his answer in his time, in his perfect will. Hannah was honest. God can handle your raw prayer. Go there. Let's keep going. In the middle of a low season, Hannah presses into God while being persistent. Verse 12 says she kept on praying to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to use myself as a glorious example of prayerful persistence because the truth is I give up way too easy. Or I sulk when I, don't get, when I get any other answer other than a yes. Anybody else with me? I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible actually says that God always answers when we're praying according to his will. Now, I don't know about you, but I often pray outside of his will. <laughs> and it normally means I want something from him. Okay? God always answers prayer when it's prayed within his will. Just sometimes we don't like the answer because sometimes the answer is just no. And you're not going to know why until you get to heaven. Sometimes the answer is slow. You just need to slow down. You're going too fast. Sometimes the answers grow. This is a difficult season, but you have something to learn. And sometimes, sometimes the answer is yes, but it's never unanswered. It may not be the answer I want. And let's face it, that's hard. But it's also a moment when we got to trust. That's where faith kicks in. Hannah keeps at it. Hannah inspires me to keep at it. If you were here for Easter, you heard my wife's story. We've been praying for healing for Laurel's eyes for 24 years. You know what keeps me going? Hannah. <laughs> Hannah and the persistent widow. Hannah kept at it. There's a story in the New Testament of a persistent widow. She comes every night to a righteous judge's house and she bangs on the door and 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 bangs on the door, on the door until he finally relents and gives her what she wants. When I get to heaven someday, I'm going to find Hannah, I'm going to find the persistent widow, and I'm going to stand beside him. And my goal is to have Jesus walk out of the throne room and say, oh, I remember you three. You drove me nuts. Bang, 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 bang. You know what? God wants that. He wants that. He wants his children to tell him the desire of their heart. So Christ the King, keep knocking. Don't give up. Don't give in. Be persistent. Wear out the floorboards with your knees. Buy another set of floorboards. I mean, press in as hard as you can. Your father will never get frustrated with you. Ever. Hannah keeps pressing into God even while she's being misunderstood. This part of the story makes me laugh, okay? Hannah goes to pray. The Old Testament priest comes out, okay? We're just gonna call him Pastor, Pastor Eli, okay? She's praying at the altar, 
Her lips are moving, but there's no sound coming out. Some of us are doing that, right? We're praying in our heart and we're mouthing the words, but nothing's coming out. The Bible says this happened. Eli observed her mouth. (laughs) Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk (laughs) and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Okay. That's not a very good pastoral moment right there. I'm just saying, okay? That, that's not... Eli just blows it, okay? Pastors blow it. If you don't believe me, hang around here long enough. And the CTK pastors, we will prove it to you that we have the opportunity to blow it, all right? I mean, but this guy, he shows up. She's praying. There's no offer of 12 steps. There's no encouraging prayer, The pastor just rushes to judgment and he says such a godly thing, right? How long are you going to stay drunk, lady? Like, bad pastor. That's horrible. That's horrible. Here's what's interesting. Hannah's misunderstood, but she doesn't blow up. She doesn't get all offended. She doesn't write a letter to the board of elders. She says, in this context, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Can you imagine Eli trying to backpedal out of that situation, right? Right? Here's the hard thing. The Bible says she was there year after year after year after year after year. He would have known her. Not a good prayer request to forget. Maybe you've been misunderstood. Maybe you can relate to Hannah. I get misunderstood every single week. I say stuff and then people take it this way. I mean, it's just the way communication goes these days. What I love about Hannah is even though she's misunderstood, she doesn't choose to be offended. I saw a great quote the other day that speaks to our culture's obsession with being offended. If you don't think people are professional offense takers in our culture, just read Facebook sometime, right? But I saw this and I thought it was great. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Mmm, there it is. Doesn't mean you're right. Hannah doesn't get all offended. She actually gets honest. I'm deeply troubled, Mr. Pastor. I'm not wasted. I'm praying. She's praying honest, bold, persistent prayers from a very vulnerable, low place. And even though it's been a long, misunderstood, low haul in the middle of that season, she keeps pressing into God while being expected. She still expects that God's going to do something. You know how I know that? Because she kept showing up. Even though it felt like years of no, years of slow, years of grow, there's still this thread of hope that she keeps holding onto because she knows something. With God, there's always hope. Let me say that again. With God, there's always hope. And Eli gets his pastoral game back together again. And this is what he says. Go in peace. And may God give you what you've asked for. That's a good save, Pastor. (laughs) She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. So to his blessing, she adds agreement. And this is what happens. She goes back and on with her life. She eats food. She chooses to be expectant. She chooses to believe that God has heard her. So she leaves that place with hope in her heart. God answers Hannah's prayer with a little boy. And as soon as I say that, there are people in the room 
that in a very human response say, I'm glad for her, but why not me? Can I say this to you? That's normal. And it's okay to feel that way sometimes. For those of you who are still waiting or dealing with an antagonist or struggling with a prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Can you just share in Hannah's joy for just a moment? There's something very spiritually mature about being able to do that, and it's not easy. When you're still waiting for a yes and somebody else gets one, I found the only way I can keep my heart going in the right direction is I've got to celebrate their yes even while I'm waiting for mine. I've got to choose that. So can we be happy for Hannah for just a little bit? Can you allow her joy to wash over you while you're still waiting? Can you share in the fact that in her low moment, she pressed into God because I want you to see her. In this low season, we still find her being grateful. After the prayer is answered, even before the prayer is answered, we still find her being grateful. Verse 27 says this, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. Here's what happens. God, your gift to me is now my gift back to you. Hannah doesn't take the gift of God and then run into the corner and enjoy it and keep it to herself. She offers it back immediately to every parent in the room. Have you done that? What God gave to you, did you give back for his glory and his honor and his service? Or have you been trying to hold it and keep control of it and keep it nice and close? Because that's what you need. What God has given to you, have you given back to everybody in the room? Have you taken every gift that God's given you and offered it back to him? For his good use and his good purpose. In the low, Hannah's heart is filled with gratitude. And at the end of this beautiful story, we find her being faithful in her relationship with God, knowing that he was being faithful in his relationship with her. Even though it didn't feel like it at times, Hannah stepped into that moment and said, God, I choose to trust you. Even when the answer is no or slow or grow, I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. In chapter 2, Hannah prays. Her prayer is beautiful. I'm going to just read it to you. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. Let me say that again. The Lord is a God who knows. Who knows? Knows your pain, knows your hurt, knows your wound, counts your tears. The Lord is a God who knows. And by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Do you notice what that says? But those who stumbled, those who tripped, those who fell into a low season are armed with his strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry, they're hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children. God didn't say yes once. He said yes seven times. Wow. But she who has many sons still pines away. 
The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. There's the promise. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. Why does God give to some and not to others? I have no idea. Why does God say yes to some and no to others? I have no idea. And I'm not going to pretend to have a nice bumper sticker answer for you to walk out with. All we know is this. God is the one who controls everything. And we have to choose to trust. He raises the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guide Guard the heart of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It's not by strength one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Her life is filled with gratitude and praise while she's being persistent and banging on the door even in the low season. Let's wrap up the whole series with one final thought. If you take the last 10 weeks and add them all together, it comes down to this one idea. The key to living through the lows is simple. It's praying Hannah's prayer in or before the low moments of life. You got to beat the low moment by getting to your knees first. And saying, no matter what happens, God, I choose to trust you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Because some of you are stuck in a low season. My question is, can you still sing praise to God and give gratitude in your heart, even though you're there? In a moment, I'm going I'm to invite the band to come back and join me. Because we're going we're to bring the service to conclusion by having a moment together. And so in our home, about 10 o'clock... Laurel disappears into a back room and I stay out in the living room and she has a little Bose speaker that I bought her for Christmas and she links her phone to it and she turns up worship music really, really, really loud because that's what grounds her. That's what gives her hope. If you were here for Easter, you realize that my, 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 my main point today, I stole from my wife because she said in her story, blindness does not define me but it has refined me. So she clings to worship every single night. And a few weeks ago, I was listening as a song came flowing out from the back room of our house. The word said, grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Because through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well with me. Far be it from me to not believe. <laughs> Even when my eyes can't see. And that this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown in the midst of the sea. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. And I'm in my living room listening to my wife sing with this song. And God says, Grant, are you telling me the truth? Is it well? 
And I found myself standing to my feet in my living room and raising my hands to heaven and saying, God, it's well. Don't have an answer. Can't see an answer. But I love you and I know you love me and I'm going to choose to trust it is well with my soul today. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. So let go, my soul, and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. I don't care what the storm is. You need to know this. The wind and waves still know his name. And when he says, peace be still, they must obey. So we simply pray that he will speak. So I'm going to ask the band to come back and join me. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to not have a spiritual contest today. Okay? For the next six minutes or so, I want you to focus 100% on the space that's between your shoulders. Don't worry about the person you came with. Don't worry about your husband, your wife, your children, whoever is sitting next to you. Don't worry about the person in front of you or behind you. This is just your moment right here, right now. The band is going to sing this song for us. And you can join in anytime you want to. The point of today was sometimes you have to get to that place of gratitude and praise before you hit the low moments. I don't know if you're in one, if you're coming out of one, or you're just heading into a low season. But sometimes we need to make a declaration that it is well with me. Because I promise you when we do, God meets us in that moment. So without worrying about anybody else, the band is going to play. And if at any point, if at any point, and I'm not saying everybody has to, you don't need to do anything here. But if God prompts you to stand to your feet and declare it is well with whatever it is that I'm going through, it is well with me. then I'm going to encourage you to forget about, I'm going to encourage you to not care what other people are thinking around you. But when God prompts you that you would stand and sing, and maybe you need to extend your hands. I know some of you are wondering, why do people do that? You know what we're doing? We're reaching to God because we believe, we believe we've got a Papa in heaven that reaches back. But in that moment, if God calls you in a state of dependence just to say, it is well, then as the Lord leads you, stand and sing Let's be obedient to what God tells us to do.